And tonight I'm going to start a two-part Bible study. And uh, I got to looking at it today. I hadn't even realized how many pages of notes. Usually a Wednesday night uh, Bible study requires for me to fill 45 minutes, 40, 45 minutes. It's usually somewhere between 10 and 12 pages of so five and a half, eight and a half notes. Um, but I was sitting there in my office and, and man, I, I, I was editing. I finished it yesterday, but as I started looking at it again today, just some other stuff started coming. And I, man, I started putting that in there. And I said, you know what? I better check and see how many pages I've got here. At that point, I was up to 18. <laughs> and I said, not only will my, my family leave me, but my church will leave me if I do that. And, uh, so it's going to be a two-parter. Uh, and, I, and I like the second part a whole lot. So <laughs> but I'm going to give you the foundation of it tonight. If you have your Bibles, Proverbs chapter 3, very familiar passage of Scripture. It simply says this, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding in all thy ways. Acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. That's been preached. I've, I quote it all of the time. Um, but I want to talk to you tonight about pursuing perfect peace. I mean trust perfect trust boy that's another Bible study somebody make a note for me <clears throat> pursuing perfect trust pursuing perfect trust now I don't want my title to be misunderstood tonight um, and it could easily be I know we often speak of trusting the Lord but talking about perfect trust is like talking about living a sinless life the Apostle Paul on several occasions in his epistles spoke of us living perfectly. Jesus echoed that. Well, Jesus didn't echo it. Paul was echoing Jesus. Jesus spoke of that as well. Live perfectly. It was the instruction. However, Paul was also the one that says, I die daily. Okay? In other words, I try to live perfectly. However, I am human enough that from day to day, I still need forgiveness. Anybody relate to that? Yeah. So naturally, the question may arise if I'm implying that the perfect trust is as unattainable as a sinless life, then why are we even discussing the topic here on a Wednesday night Bible study? So let me answer the question this way. While perfect trust may seem almost impossible to attain, there is no reason that we should not attempt to be as perfect in trusting our Lord as possible. As hard as it is to attain a sinless life, it still should be our daily quest to attempt to be as sinless as we possibly can. I was sitting in my office a while ago and... and uh, I was getting everything ready to come back out and, and I just looked up at the ceiling and I said, Lord, 
because I was thinking about what I just said about the sinless life, perfect, perfect trust. And I said, Lord, if there's anything, I just ask you to just bring it to my mind and help me. And you know what the what all of a sudden echoed in my head? And I hate to even admit this. But confession is good for the soul. It has to do with driving. Yes, amen. I hear Donna all the time. Remember what you preach. Mm. Now, I know that's a little thing. Okay, that's not, and it's funny, but it's, but it, but still, it's a reflection of our attitude. It's a reflection of what's inside. Um, I'm, I'm, it seems as if, I, I don't understand it, but she really thinks I'm not a patient person. And I, I, don't, I don't know why she feels that way, but, uh, But whether we're talking about a sinless life or perfect trust, it's our responsibility as the children of God to do what Paul was writing to the Philippian church whenever he said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, yes, Paul said, I have to die daily. There's things I have to deal with. I, there's, I'm human enough that, but live perfectly. In other words, you got to press toward that mark. And, I, and, I, and that's the, the topic of the discussion that we will spend probably the most time on tonight is we've got to press toward perfect trust. Perfect trust. We'll refer back to this, trap, this scripture from Philippians later. But I believe as children of God, we do in most cases trust God. I mean, that's what we're supposed to do. Um, at, at least we trust him at some level. And for all of us, that may be a different level. And I know one of the first things we think about is, well, no, we're, we trust God. I trust God with everything. Do you? And I imagine by the time I get through next Wednesday night, you might decide you hadn't trusted him near as much as you thought you Trusting in the Lord is a major topic in Scripture. We find it in many of the various books of the Bible. If trust in God is not spoken of directly, it is strongly implied all throughout Scripture. And you've heard me say many times, the Bible can be summed up in one word, and that word is submission. You can't be saved unless you submit. You can't even be healed unless you submit and ask him for healing. He's not going to come down and force healing on Always remember this. The Holy Ghost is a perfect gentleman. He does not force himself on anyone. Now, my daddy used to have a saying. He said, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. He said, but you can put salt in his oats. And after a while, he went. So there are things that, that God may bring into mind in your life to redirect us 
sometimes sometimes problems arise and we begin to pray oh god deliver me god deliver me god deliver me i've always i've learned at this point in my life to quit yes i want god to deliver me but but lord are you showing me something am am i am i doing something wrong am i headed in the wrong direction i said and i mentioned this to you before i've gone through things in in life and i've and while I was going through it I would say God don't deliver me of this until I have learned the lesson you're trying to teach me because I don't want to come back here I don't want to go through this again I, I, so help me to, to receive what, what you're trying to teach me because everything that comes in our life is not designed by the devil to knock the props out from us sometimes God allows things now I didn't say all the time so the devil knocks a prop out from under us as often as he possibly can but sometimes God will even allow the things that the devil meant to destroy you with to to work eventually for your good as human beings we are careful to what or who we submit to It's within our nature to not submit to something or to someone we do not trust. Since submission to the Lord is one of the main topics of Scripture, then certainly we can see how trust in Him is equally important. The topic of trusting in the Lord can often be abused and it can be overused. By this I mean some take it to an extreme and say that we must fully trust God for everything taking no matters into our hands we are to trust him we're to trust him for provisions we're to trust him for healing we're we're, I I had a dear precious aunt and you've heard me say that she she would stand up a dry prong and hold that old hand up and she she had cut one of her fingers off years ago and she held that little hanky in her hand this finger here she'd cut right in the joint she she was chopping the head off of a chicken and oh this is back this is back when people did did things like that and and she missed the chicken and got her finger and uh, and there was no doctor to go to so she just put it back on wrapped it up and said in Jesus name and she says it was hanging by the skin and she stuck it back on wrapped it up and said in Jesus name that finger no longer bent but it was healed blood flow and everything but she would stand up and take that hanky and she'd wave it and she'd say brother Ellis I haven't taken an aspirin in 42 years she wouldn't go to the doctor if if Peggy Qualls was here that's that's her grandmother and she could she could echo that uh, with you, uh, with me tonight. That's what she said. I hadn't taken an aspirin in 42 years. And she didn't. She didn't believe in going to the doctor. She didn't. She trusted God with everything. She did. We trust Him for direction. I could go on with the list, but let me be clear. I think it's proper to trust Him in all of these areas, as our text said. 
It said, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. However, God expects us to do what we can do, okay? And he expects us to live our lives in the arena to which he has allowed us to live. And next Wednesday night, I'm going to get down in the middle of all of that, and we're going to talk about it. But reflecting back on our title tonight, Pursuing Perfect Trust, what would we define as perfect trust? I, I had several definitions that I, I ran through my mind, but this was the one that, that I, I was most comfortable with. Perfect trust is absolute submission to God's orchestration of our life and its circumstances. I'll say it again. Absolute submission to God's orchestration of our life and our life's circumstances. Um, the second verse of our text tonight says this, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. It didn't say in some of your ways acknowledge him. It said in all thy ways acknowledge him, he shall direct thy path. In other words, we can say we are living in perfect trust when we acknowledge him in all matters of our life. Perfect trust is attained when our life mirrors 2 Corinthians 5. He says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. I, I, I think sometimes we fail to, to grasp the impact of that verse that we walk by faith and not by sight. And it's just getting to be very hard for me not to get into next Wednesday night's Bible study right now. But I'm, I'm, I'm showing great discipline right now. We walk by faith, not by sight. It's, it's, it's the, the motto of, of the Christian life that I may not understand everything, but I know who my God is. I, I, I may not like everything that's going on around me, but I know who my God is. And there are, th there are times that, that it seems that God is a long, long way away. And I really can't hear from Him, but I still know who my God is. I've lived long enough, I've seen enough, I've been through enough to know that he has never, ever let me down. And you can echo that as well as I if you have lived for God for any number of years. Regardless of what you go through, somewhere in the midst of it, even if you don't hear his voice, if you don't sense his presence, in the midst of it, you will see his hand as it moves and it changes things and it does things for you. I'm afraid many times that we spend way too much time uh, on feelings. People will say, Brother Bruce, I don't know. I just don't feel the presence of the Lord anymore. No, he's here. He's here. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with him. He hasn't forgot you. It's sometimes we walk by faith and not by sight. 
Sometimes you just you just have to live your life knowing he is there. You know, Donna and I love each other very much. At least I love her. I hope she loves me the same way. But, but we don't walk around all the time saying, Honey, I love you. Honey, I love you. Honey, I... No, there's some, there's some things that we, take, we do take for granted and we do understand that after all of these years, we still love each other. So instead of doing it every five minutes, we do it about every ten minutes. We say, honey, I love you. So, no. We, you just know that you're loved. I don't have to hear it. I don't have to, you know, and I, I think I just told this little story years, just a few months ago, a few weeks ago maybe. The old man, the old woman, they appear before the, the judge. She's wanting a divorce. And they've been married for 50-something years. And the judge looks down at her and he says, Ma'am, if you, since you're the one that petitioned for the divorce, I just got to ask you, why? And she said, he never tells me he loves me. And the old man just kind of looked over at her and he said, woman, is that what's wrong with you? He said, I told you the night we got married that I loved you. And I told you if it would ever change, I'd let you know. We, you know, it is good to hear it every now and then. And every now and then, we have a Sunday like we just had. Well, like several Sundays we've just had. Where it just seems like God just comes in and he wraps us up. And we know, beyond the shadow of a doubt, he knows exactly where we are. However, if you haven't experienced it yet, you will. You will go through periods wondering where God is. But that's when you walk by faith and not by sight and not by feel. Feelings is not everything. Hebrews 11, what, 6? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You've got to have faith. And faith says, I know He is. I know he is with me. The psalmist David gives us a word picture of perfect trust in Psalms 4. There's only eight verses, I believe, here in this particular chapter. And I'm going to take it from the Passion Translation. Um, in the Passion Translation, it says it's an evening prayer for help. But beginning in verse 1, this is what he says. But I, I, and I wonder why they call it an evening prayer for help because David isn't just talking to God. He's talking to the soldiers that are with him. And he says this, God, you are my righteousness, my champion defender. Answer me when I cry for help. Anybody ever said that? <laughs> Please answer me when I cry for help. Whenever I was in, 
I was in distress, you enlarged me. In other words, you gave me relief. When I was in distress, you helped me. He says, I'm being squeezed again. I need your kindness right away. Grant me your grace. Hear my prayer and set me free. We've all been there. We've all prayed that prayer. The psalmist here sounds like what we desire to sound like sometimes. In the Passion Translation, he is saying, God, you are my righteousness. The word righteousness here comes from the Hebrew word sedek. That's with a Grant Parish accent. It means that which is altogether right or altogether righteous or altogether a right cause or altogether rightly or altogether rightness. Rightness. I think by now you, you figured it out. It's, it's about being right with God. You are my righteousness. In other words... In myself, I am flawed, but in you, you are my perfection. Okay? Isaiah 64, 6 says, But we are all as unclean thing, as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. But I love to bring Ephesians 6, 14 in there and say, Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, not my righteousness, but his righteousness. Because mine is nothing but filthy rags. That's why I have to ask for forgiveness every day. So Lord, cover me in your righteousness. Let's read on from Psalms 4. David is rebuking this group of elite soldiers that are with him and he's giving them instructions in perfect trust. And this is what he says, verse 2. Listen to me, you elite among men. How long will you defame my honor and drag it down into shame? In other words, there was, there was little problems between him and his guys. He said, you will ever stop, will you ever stop insulting me? How long will you set your heart on shadows chasing your lies and your delusions? He's kind of rebuking them pretty heavy. But listen to David's instructions. It sounds like a prayer, but it is instructions to the soldiers as well. It says, may we never forget that Yahweh works wonders for every one of his devoted lovers. And this is how I know that he will answer my every prayer. We're talking about perfect trust here tonight. And what he's fixing to do is he's fixing to give them three things, three reasons why he knows God will answer. And it's here in the, this fourth verse. And here it is. Tremble in awe before the Lord and do not sin against him. Be still upon your bed and search your heart before him. We're talking about perfect trust. We're talking about the three things that, that tells us we know that he will hear us and we can trust him to hear us in our petition. And first of all is tremble in awe. You say, well, do I have to just shake? 
look, this is more metaphoric than, than the fact that we're supposed to do this, but it's talking about total devoted reverence to who he is. Regardless of life, regardless of circumstances, he's God. I can't prove this other than maybe medical science, but they cannot develop a telescope that looks beyond the, the many solar systems that are out there. They're always finding something new. Could it be that when God said, let there be, he didn't stop. And those words of creating is continuing to echo out in the midst of nothing and it's creating something out of nothing. You ever thought about it like that? That's how big and how great our God is. When you begin to consider how awesome he is and if you've ever seen him perform a miracle or if you've ever been a recipient of a divine miracle, then you know that there is absolutely nothing that is impossible with him. And we've quoted it over and over and over many times from Jeremiah. Is there anything too hard for God? Can't be. Not if he can just step on the balconies of heaven and say, let there be, and then everything that we have around us. The beauty that we, that we behold, whether it's, the, the, the mountains or whether it's the seashore or whatever is the most beautiful thing to you. When you stop and you look at it and you realize we had nothing to do with creating that. And I'm going to promise you this. It wasn't a big bang. If it was a big bang, it was a big bang by him with intent for it to look the way that it looks. He has fashioned it to be the way that he wants it to be. Don and I were flying to California here several years ago to preach a funeral. And I had never, we had been in the Rockies. We had driven in the Rockies, but I had never flown over the Rockies. But as we were flying from east to west, we were headed to Sacramento, California is where we were headed to. And I was sitting on the right-hand side of the plane, and I'm looking out the window. And it looked just like those mountains. It looked like a plow had gone through there because they were all in a row. And all I could say is, that's the hand of God. Now, whether that was really the hand of God, that whether he actually did that, I don't know. Is it... The word says he spoke it all into existence. You and I, he fashioned by hand. But what I am, the first thing I'm supposed to do is recognize his greatness and recognize how awesomely powerful and that nothing about my life or your life is beyond his reach. I have told him before, I don't need you to speak a word of healing. I just need you to think in my direction and it's done. 
That's how powerful I think he is. The second thing that says, do not sin against him. I'm going to say this, folks, and we'll talk more about it next week, but sin has a way of interrupting our blessings. And I'm not going to dwell there. I need to move on because I am going to deal with some of that next week. The third thing he says, be still in his presence and search your heart. Which I could tie back to number two there. But we have a scripture that says, be still and know that he is God. Be still in his presence and search your heart. And this was a prayer that I prayed a while ago. Lord, does my heart line up with you the way you want it to? Or am I being human stubborn and trying to walk the way I want to walk? I want to be what he wants me to be. You say, well, Brother Bruce, you're the pastor. You're supposed to be God's man. You're supposed to be. No, look, I'm human. People still make me mad on the highway. And they get on my nerves in other places as well. Okay? So let's all be honest. Let's, don't y'all look at me like there's something wrong with me. I mean, you know, you've got your problems too. Verse 5, let's move on. I'm running out of time. Thank God I didn't bring 18 pages tonight. Amen. Now, you didn't have to say it that loud. I mean, goodness, come on. (laughs) Verse 5, bring to Yahweh the sacrifice of righteousness and put your trust in him. Now, this is where I've been headed to. What is the sacrifice of? give you a moment to just let that pass through your mind bring to Yahweh the sacrifice of righteousness and put your trust in what is the sacrifice well we've already been enlightened to know that our own righteousness is as filthy rags and we must be clothed in his righteousness the sacrifice of righteousness to me in my opinion is a life that is striving for perfection. Understand what I just said. I'm asking what is the sacrifice of righteousness? Because my friend, if you are striving for perfection, you are offering a sacrifice because it is very, very difficult to live perfectly it can be done it can be done the sacrifice of righteousness is a life that is striving for perfection again I go back to Philippians 3 I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus I did not say had attained but rather is striving for perfection are pressing toward that mark. You know, that's that's the thing that I think that 
we, as Christians, whether you've had the Holy Ghost five minutes or whether you've had it 50 years or 60 years or 70 years, you are still learning. You never arrive. That's why we're constantly striving for perfection. Because about the time you think you have arrived, you will see a whole other field out there that you haven't even come in contact with yet. The flesh is born of a very sinful nature. That's just our nature. Therefore, it becomes a sacrifice when we deny the things of sin that this flesh so desires. The fifth verse also says, put your trust in him. The implication here from the psalmist is to put our trust in God, not in our own ability. How often have we said, Lord, I trust you. And just a few minutes later, we're trying to figure out what we're going to do about it. How are we going to solve this situation? What am I going to do about my mess up? What am I going to do about, what about trust? What, what about going to him and bowing before him and said, I've really made a mess. I need your help. Never forget, and I've told this before, but Being a teenager, had a good job, making good money. Credit cards were just beginning to become important. <laughs> um, I had charge accounts at Kaplan's Men's Store. I had charge accounts at Weiss and Gold Ring for the men's department. Don and I weren't married then. I had a charge account at Gus Kaplan's, which is no longer in business around here. I had credit cards in my pocket, and um, I knew how to use them. And uh, in fact, I and, and I, no, I'm not even going to tell that. Um, I'll just let you wonder about it. <laughs> uh, but I had all of these accounts. And even though I made good money, it seemed like they were all wanting more money than what I had. And I know none of y'all have never had that problem. And, um, and I asked Daddy one day, I said, I've been praying for God to deliver me. And Daddy said, son, God didn't get you in the mess you're in. You did that. He said, now if you'll ask him to forgive you and to help you, he will, I, he said, but you can't ask him to forgive you and then keep doing what you're doing. Didn't like that answer. I'd have rather got a check in the mail, you know, but it didn't come that way. The implication here from the psalmist is that we are to put our trust in God, not in our own ability. It's our choice. We can or we can choose not to trust in the Lord. It's, 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 it's totally up to us. Now listen as the psalmist 
words turned back toward God and, and I'm headed to a close. Verse 6, he says, Lord, and oh, I love this, prove them wrong when they say God can't help you. <laughs> I love that line. Prove them wrong. I think it's okay to pray that way. I think it's totally all right for you to, you to say, especially when everybody knows what you're going through, just say, Lord, for the naysayers out there that say, says that I'm not going to get better or I'm not going, this is not going to prove them wrong, show them what you can do. It says, let the light of your radiant face break through and shine upon us. The intense pleasure you give me surpasses the gladness of harvest time even more than when the harvesters gaze upon their ripened grain and when, when their new wine overflows. Now that, that verse may not mean a whole lot to us, but if, if you were a farmer, if you had... Uh, Orchards, and you had, uh, the, you know, the, the different things that are that he, they're talking about here that comes from the earth. With intense pleasure, you give, you give me surpasses the gladness of harvest time. The intense pleasure you give me surpasses the gladness of harvest time even more than when the harvesters gaze upon the ripened grain. You can. Farmer, when he looks across those acres of soybeans or wheat or, or cotton or whatever is grown around here, just before they harvest it, he looks on it with great pride. Now, I'm not a farmer, but I love driving through farm country and seeing how straight those rows are. And I love it when it's just dirt and you just see the little rows across there. You come back through a few days later and there's a little green strip running right down the middle of them. And then you begin to watch as it grows. I'm, you know, if I take pride in it, what does that farmer, okay? Verse 8. Now because of you, Lord, some of, somebody needs to hear this tonight. And you might want to say this with me if this identifies with you. Because of you, Lord, I will lie down in peace and sleep comes at once. For no matter what happens, I will live unafraid. No matter what takes place, I will live unafraid. No matter, Brother Tommy, what the doctor says, I will live unafraid. Brother David, no matter what the doctor says, here or at MD Anderson, I'm not going to live. Brother David, David number two or one, whichever, I will let them sort that out. Um, no matter what happens, I will live unafraid. Whatever you're walking through, whatever the circumstance is, no matter how high the mountain may be, there is not a mountain that he cannot see over. There is not a valley too deep for him to cross. 
Here's another thing. And you can't get so far away from him that he can't find you. And I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Let's read that eighth verse together again. Can you put it back up there, Michael? Just, let's just read it together. Now because of you, Lord... I will lie down in peace and sleep comes at once. For no matter what happens, I will live unafraid. Now, I'm going to tell you something that I do. In mine and Donna's bathroom, there's a double vanity. She has her side and I have mine. But over mine, I have little five and a half by eight and a half pieces of paper and they're taped to the top of the mirror and they've got scriptures such as this that are on them and there are times when I stand in that bathroom and I just look up I know what they are I know what they're saying but sometimes I just read them to remind myself that because of you Lord I will lie down in peace and sleep comes to me When we do what this last verse, verse 8 says, then we are living. When we can do this, just the way verse 8 says, then we can say we're living in perfect trust. For those of you that knew my mom, daddy would lay down. And within 30 seconds, daddy was asleep. Coila did not like that. <laughs> and she would reach over and hit him. What? I've heard this conversation numerous times in my life as a child. How did you go to sleep so fast? Well, honey, that's what I laid down to do was to go to sleep. That was daddy's answer. I didn't lay down to solve the problems of the world. I laid down to go to sleep. Bless her heart, I don't think mama ever learned to do that. Because mama would lay down, and as she said, she just blared at the ceiling. Now, I don't know if she had a problem trusting God or not. I don't, I, that was not the point there. In that. <laughs> but I will lie down in peace, and sleep comes at once. No matter what happens, y'all, there are people that have lived in dangerous situations and they slept. And there were those that laid down and they slept, but they also lost their life. Was one more spiritual than the other? No. That was not the point. Because whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. And whether we live, therefore, or we die, we are the Lord's. So I will lie down in peace and sleep comes at once. For no matter what happens, I will live 
unafraid. It really is an easy thing to define perfect trust with Scripture. However, from a human perspective, we must strive our work at living in perfect trust. It's almost like trying to live a sinless life. And you'll know we're going to dig into some things and talk about some things next Wednesday night. Perfect trust doesn't come with receiving the Holy Ghost. Perfect trust is attained by living a life unto Christ. There's a lot of people that have been saved and they never found peace because they were not living a life unto Christ. So next Wednesday night, we'll do part two of pursuing perfect trust. And I just want God to just speak to us. And I think it's time that the church begins to try its best to walk in perfect trust. It's more difficult for us here probably in the United States than it is in third world countries because in third world countries they don't have the solutions you and I have access to. We'll talk about all that next, next week. However, we're no different than the third world country. We still must trust God and we must strive to trust him more every day and I know that God if we put our trust in him I know that he will help us and he will keep us Father I just give you thanks tonight that we can trust in you that we don't have to trust in ourselves because we know how limited we really are if we could have fixed everything we wouldn't be in the mess we're in we need your help. And we all trust you with everything. At least we hope we trust you the way you want us to trust you. So I ask you, lead us. Lead us and teach us, guide us and direct us. That we may learn to trust you more every day. You are trustworthy. Because you've never let us down never let anyone down you are trustworthy and I ask you to help each and every one of us tonight bring us back again on Sunday and I pray your blessings upon the service I pray that you would just anoint in a special way we know that you're taking us somewhere we know you're doing something with this church help us to just be patient to walk in the ways that you're leading and we trust you for where you're leading us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Why don't you stand, lift your hands all over the house. Let's just love the Lord for just a moment before, before that we leave. God, we give you praise. God, we love you. We honor you. We exalt you in the name that is above every name. All power is given in that name. I bless the name of the Lord Jesus tonight and I give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.